You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Jay Harwood. Welcome to today's Amazing Men's Alumni Podcast. My special guest today is my good friend, Cliff Floyd. Cliff, I appreciate it. No doubt, man. Thanks for having me. And um, It's been too long, but... uh... It's good to hear you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to say some really bad things, but I, I, I love you too much. But thanks. You know hey, Cliff, I mean? before we start with the official stuff, you know, you've had a great career on and off the field, but I don't know if a lot of the fans know, for two years in the early 2000s, you were my team doctor, my personal doctor. I had this really bad ear infections, and twice oh, a week God. used to bring me to the training room to look at my ears, and I, I'm really indebted to you for that, Cliff. I want to thank you, man. Oh, Jay, Jay, you just rehashed some stuff that I, I don't know if, if anybody's ready for this, but I, I, I thought it was imperative that you was able, you know, it was, it was, you were able to hear right what you know what you need to hear because right. so many demands were put on you every single freaking day, right. and I just thought, let me bring you to the training room and let Herpsy clean your ears out, right, and um. I've been dead to you that, Cliff. Let, let's just say that <laughs> the, the, the amount of stuff that came out your ears, you should hear for the next 100 years. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm still but, hearing today yeah. because of you, my friend. Probably, hey, you know let, what? Let me start on the backwards part of your career. You had a great career, 17 years, hit close to 280, almost 1,500 RBIs, you know, 230-plus home runs. 50, uh, you know, 900 RBIs. When you retired in 09 with the Padres, did you consider broadcasting right away, or how did that come about? I really didn't. I, you know, I had no idea, man. This, 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 this whole gig is all about preparation and dial, you know, dialing in every day and, and having a new regime come in as far as players. It, it's, it's really different, Jay. It's really hard. Um, and then when I first came in, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I had no idea how to even listen to a producer in your ear and, 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 and say something that, that made sense live to, to millions of people. And, and the thought of it spooked the hell out of me. So I, I, I got done and I felt like, you know, I needed to take a year off to sort of regroup and, you know, spend time with my kids and, and, and so on and so forth. But then I felt like, I needed to do something. I was going crazy, and I knew I couldn't go back to ball because that was over. Um, and, you know, I, I I made myself sort of dial in to being able to uh, to do this and not knowing if you're going to do it well, not knowing if I was going to be able to have my personality sort of, you know, show differently than when I played and so on and so forth. And then when and when you get that opportunity – it's not going to sit there and stay there for you forever. They're going to move on if you can't do it. So I just said, look, dial in, see if you can do it, keep your personality where it is. And if they like it, you'll be fine. If they don't like it, then figure out something else because you ain't going to be on TV. And it's worked out thus far. Because the Marlins, I know you did earlier, you did the Marlins pre and post, and you did some Blue Jays, uh, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. Well, I'm doing Blue Jays now. Marlins was first. But before that, Jay, I did four or five years strictly on um, Exxon Radio. And for anybody out there that thinks that 
you know, radio is trash and, you know, that, you know, you, you know, it, it don't pay well. Well, the pay might not be great. The opportunity is phenomenal because to, to, to be able to uh, be long winded and get your point across and then be able to extend that point and make, you know, try to make sense of what your, what your, your mind is telling your mouth to say, you know, is, is something that, that takes, that takes some time because, while being long-winded on, on radio helps you um, and, and, and sort of, you know, molds you, it's still you can't have dead air. So you have to say something, and radio really, truly helped me out as far as being able to gather my thoughts and then put them together and then, and then make sense of it. You, you still have your own radio show, right, Cliff, on XM? I mean, serious? No, you know what, Jay? It's, 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 a, it's a demanding job, man. Um, I was doing it with Casey Stern. The hour of the day was just different, so I, I sort of gave it up. I had the luxury of having it in my house, so that was something that they actually was great at. I had the little unit and headphones in the, at, at the house, Jay, and it was awesome. But you know, Toronto gig came about, and that's that that that's been great. Um, and I'm still doing MLB Network, and that's been awesome. And then all the other little side gigs that you get along the way. You know, I help you guys out over there in, 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 in Queens when, you know, when I get a call to come up and sign autographs. So when those when those opportunities present themselves, I can't be locked in to a four-hour radio show every day right. um, that I can't really get out of it. So I had to do away with it. But it, it, it was it was great for me. It, it literally jumped off. How, how, see, with MLB Network, that's a pretty big step up. I mean, what was your biggest challenge, you know, doing that? The challenge is walking that thin line. And knowing that these guys are watching you, and then and that's pretty much it, Jay. If, if you can walk that thin line and know that the game is not easy, but also still do your job, because my job as a baseball player was, was to play ball. My job as an analyst is to break down and give the fans exactly what I think has happened in that night, or or, or is happening with that team, and and so being. And I can't allow my feels for who I play for to affect what I say. So that's been really hard for me. Um, I, I know who I'm faithful to. I know how I get a lot of crit, you know, criticism from. Um, but at the end of the day, I got to do my job, and I can't worry about what people say and what they think. Because yeah, let me go back to the playing thing. You came to the Mets in 03, and, you know, the records weren't that great the early part of the years. But a couple of guys I wanted to talk about, you know, when, when David Wright came to the Mets in, uh, at All-Star break in 05, I believe, did you know right away he was going to be a special kind of guy? Right away. And I think it was more of his demeanor, his maturity level, all the things that you look for in a star player. He had them. And I think the hardest thing was to understand the stage you were playing on every night, and that's New York City. Fans smart. Fans, you know, going to put that pressure on you when you get the big dollars. Fans are going to expect greatness from their from their top prospect and um and so and, and so on and so forth and i think he was ready to you know welcome that with open arms uh, certain certain dudes you can just see in their makeup and he had it jay and you know it wasn't much that i did other than you know give him some of the knowledge that i gained from my first time um in montreal but you were like his mentor though cliff you and a couple other guys really took david under his wing yeah well, I think that was important because of what we were. 
You know, it, it wasn't something where I was going to pat myself on the back later on and be like, I did that. I made sure he was straight. It's one of those things you understand as a, as, as a, as a veteran player that I, I wanted him to maximize every bit of what he had inside him. And that was it because you see the unfortunate things that happens in this game. You know, when you get hurt, that's unfortunate. And you never know when it's coming. It's like life and death. And I think when you see how it unfolded for him and you see how the end came so fast, you know, it, it allows you um, to understand the importance of getting everything out of every day you in the big leagues. And that's why I was trying to get to him as I saw this dude literally become a star overnight. Yeah. Hey, Cliff, let me run a couple of dates by you. Uh, uh, May of 1995, you hit, you hit a ground ball. You're playing with the Expos. Uh, you run to first base, and Todd Hundley's throw, unfortunately, takes you to the first baseman. What do you remember of that, that collision? It was a pretty bad collision. Yeah. Um, thought the, I thought my career was over, but, you know, I think um, I have fortunately had great doctors who were quick, um, even the team doctor for the Mets. She was amazing at the time. Uh, great, took great, great care of me. I had a great therapist uh, in, in Montreal, great doctors, and I came back the same year. I, rem- I remember. It was a broken wrist, right, Chris? Yeah, it was a broken dislocation. Broken. So it was literally dislocated and fractured and torn ligaments, uh, the whole nine. You, you couldn't do a, you know, when you hear about a knee injury blowing up and that, it, it going, oh, my God, it's, you know, catastrophic. That was sort of what my wrist looked like. And I had to battle the depression side of it more than the injury. You know, being young and being vibrant and being a top prospect and so on and so forth, poof, gone that quick in my mind. But you got to battle that, man. And I worked my tail off every single day. I did exactly what the therapist told me to do and came back and played 16 more years. Now, you know, do I ever, will I ever know how good I would have been or could have been had I not ever had a wrist injury? Because you you and I both know the importance of having your wrist. I, I, I just played and whatever I got of it, I was very thankful for it. Quick, quick, another, I, another bad collision. Uh, I know you had a lot of close friends with the times you were with the Mets, but probably no one was closer to you than Mike Cameron. Uh, you're playing left field in August of 2005 when uh, Mike and Carlos collide. Probably one of the worst things I've ever seen on a playing field. That was, it, it, it was a still shot took of them running to each other and me standing in left field, and you can tell immediately I was in shock. Um I was I was in shock until the EMS got on the field, and I remember finally getting my getting my nerves up to get over there in San Diego, and and see this young lady come on the field and go to work like we go to work like we go to work as ball players like we go to work every single day nine to five. I mean this lady went to action on Cam, um, and the other young man went to action on Beltron, and it was just it was unbelievable to see that in one split second, we're planning our car to get to L.A. because that was the next destination. It was a getaway day in Diego. And then the next second, they're laid out on the field, and Cam faced Jay. I'm the only one that saw it, I think, maybe first, other than um, the umpire and the EMS uh, people. 
and I've still to this day never seen nothing like that. Um, you 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 hope you never ever see nothing like that again. He and, never played for the Mets again after that. No, Obviously, and you just I felt so horrible for him, man. Um, to see him afterwards, to see his face, and to see how much swelling he had he had, and how how far he had to come back from that. It was it was it was awful. It it really was probably the worst thing I've seen on, on, on the field, other than Moise Lou breaking his leg in St. Louis. Yeah. Cliff, talk about the years you were there when the team records weren't that great, but you were really saw a gradual uh, rebuilding process. The first year, you were like 29 games below 500, but slowly but truly, Omar began to add, you know, Beltran, Delgado, LaDuca, you know, uh, D- uh, David, David Wright, um, Pedro Martinez. And we take you back to uh, to 06, your last year, where we were 97 and 65. It didn't end up that great, but you, you saw it another great play in Game 7 of the of the League Championship Series when Andy Chavez made the catch in left field. Yeah. It was a, you know, it was a whole bunch of emotions in four years there, Jay. Um, really understanding the importance of what, New York was all about the fan base, all the things that you knew New York was about, but you didn't know until you literally stepped into Shea Stadium as a player for the Mets. And, you know, at first, our how, you know, going, uh, looking at him every day and, you know, feeling certain type of way about it, you know, like, man, we just, I just wish we could play better for this dude. I, I, I'd always known him to be this calm, cool, collect dude in, in Oakland. And to come to New York, the fan base was just hard on them. You know, we had had guys that had great years, and Mo Vaughn, Roberto Alomar Jr. I mean, these, these dudes are Hall of Famers in my mind, and um, we just couldn't get right. And a, a, a lot happened in those first couple of years that you was like, Some, it has to change. I had a couple of injuries. I missed the last part of the season, but we finally put together in 06. And I just felt there was no way for us not to win the World Series that year. It was like no way possible. And I know I got hurt at the end, but no way do I catch that ball um, that, that Andy Chavez caught with my Achilles the way it was. And I just felt if I could come through, Beltran could come through and send us, you know, send us to the World Series, that was it, man. And I, I still think about it to this day. I still get questions about it when I see my Mets fans walking the streets up here in New York. Um, but it wasn't from lack of, going up there and not being prepared and whatever the case may be, it's just Adam Wainwright. I think you have to tip your hat to Tony LaRussa and being able to go to Adam Wainwright, who was a youngster at the time. We had really no big scouting report on this dude. And he trusted him to be able to throw that 12-6 curveball as he did and get two pretty darn good left-handed hitters out um, to send him to the World Series. Hey, Cliff, I want to thank you for your time. You've really done great for yourself, and your personality really comes across on TV. I know you continue to do well, and I want to thank you for being able you know, to straighten out my hearing early on, and I've been able to keep working, Yeah, and I'll be overly grateful you for doing that for me, Cliff. No doubt, Jay. You know I love you like like a fat kid love cake, man, and, and you know that head of yours is so big that uh, it's amazing that you're still able to walk through a lot of doors, but I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's a reason why your head is that big. Last question. Did you come with with Castro when he used to weigh my head in the training room? Yeah. Yeah. So yours was the, yours was the heaviest. Castro's was next. And then mine was top. You know, mine came in third. Yeah, I was 13.8 pounds. Yeah, there it is. A lot of knowledge. So imagine that. Well, hey, good. Cliff, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Love you, brother. 
<laughs> no doubt. Love you.